This is Business with Benefits, because there are so many things you get from business besides dollar signs. I'm on this journey with you, and I'm your host, Daryl Perry, aka the guy with the bow tie. You made it this far, so let's get into it. All right, folks, it's the guy with the bow tie checking with you live for another edition of Business with Benefits. To my right, I have Scott Hilton. He has decided to grace the internet with us and talk a little bit about Georgia. <laughs> Scott, how you doing today? Good, Daryl. How you doing? Pretty good. I'm glad we could get this set up. It's definitely timely information as it uh, kicked off on Friday. So uh, before we get too deep into things, I'm going to say thank you to Hashtag Team Live. Let us know where you are, please, in the bottom of the screen. Hashtag Team Replay as well. We appreciate viewership however it comes in. And uh, Scott and I met at the Small Business Week in uh, Georgia last, I think it was September or so. Wasn't it October, September? Yeah. Or something like that? yeah. Okay. So you kind of connected online a little bit. So uh, we're all kind of going through COVID-19. And obviously, there's some changes going on with different places. So before we get too deep into that, um, let people know who you are and why they should listen to what you have to say today. I appreciate that. Well, good afternoon, everyone. As always, I know everyone's kind of hopping from one Zoom call to the next. I wish we were... <laughs> all in person together here. But um, I am here today because the governor uh, had the foresight about a year ago to create a commission strictly designed around helping small business here in the state. He wanted to see Georgia be the number one state for small business. And so uh, in order to do that, he, he had the idea that we ought to cut uh, needless uh, regulations and streamline government so that we can deliver for you small business uh, better. And so uh, we were, like I said, created a year ago. Our job is to serve as a liaison uh, to state government, uh, to the business community, uh, but also look at creating recommendations for the governor on how we can better uh, serve our constituents. And so I would, I would submit to you that role is more important now more than ever because small businesses are really uh, getting hurt as a result of this pandemic. And so um, we are here to serve and figure out ways uh, to help small businesses get through this difficult and challenging time. Perfect. Okay. So um, it's obviously been national news that Georgia is opening back up. Um, everybody's talking about that as a thing. And we, you, you and I talked about this a little bit. So when we say reopen, um, what does that actually mean in the context of what was closed? That's a great question. So uh, as you sort of follow all this along, there were certain businesses that were required to close. And those were all ones that made sense at the time, right? Where kind of high touch, peace, people in close proximity, so large events, theaters, concert halls, uh, haircut places, some medical uh, procedures and things like that. And so those were ordered to close. I would say those were a small segment of our overall business community in the state. A lot of mm -hmm. businesses were allowed to remain open uh, so long as they followed certain public health guidelines. And so, yeah, about a, uh, a week ago, was, uh, last Monday, uh, the governor said that those businesses that we had closed uh, a few weeks prior to that are now allowed to reopen, but under very strict guidelines. And, and a lot of those came out this past Thursday and Friday. So based on the industry you're in, yes, you can reopen, but in a lot of cases, you've got to follow anywhere between 20 to 30 different public health guidelines and restrictions to keep the public safe. Mm, okay. 
And that's that's interesting to know because of the news will kind of just say it's reopened and there's, you know, good and bad with saying that. So um, the decision to reopen, what was the main driver you think for that decision? Because obviously this has two sides to the story. Small business was hurt a lot by this. So when you and the governor in the office kind of talked about this, what were kind of the main drivers for why to reopen certain things? Yeah, so uh, the governor is a big data guy, and he is looking at and consuming as much information as he possibly can. And so uh, what we've seen over the last, call it 10 days or so, is a decline in the rate of, of new infections. And so if you look at our curve, we've definitely been able to kind of, it, it appears thus far based on the data, hit that peak and have a nice downtrend going. And so I think that made us comfortable with the decision, uh, or made the governor comfortable with it. I would also say, um, just from a, a human impact uh, uh, standpoint, we're, we're hearing from a lot of constituents who are really struggling right now, frankly. You know, they don't have uh, two or three weeks of cash flow or luxury to, you know, close down for a month and not have any business. And they're hurting. You know, they've spent their entire lives, you know, borrowing money, growing a business, uh, and, and are at risk of losing it here. Uh, in, in just a few weeks. And so uh, that was taken into consideration uh, along with this. You know, I'll, I'll share with you, um, heard it today. I, I talked to a small business owner up in LJ. He's got an ice cream shop and they've been closed for three weeks now. And he's having to decide between, do I pay the $700 power bill or just close my business? And, and how do I feed my family? And, and those very, very difficult decisions. And so uh, we're weighing that those considerations uh, when we think about reopening as well. Okay, and then there's going to check in with the audience real quickly. At Santina Dieng, she says she's in Atlanta right now. She's general manager of Family Dollars, so she's checking in for uh, large businesses in a local community. Um, yeah. So the decision, it was certain things we opened up. We opened up, you know, salons, gyms, things of that nature. Um, was there an economic reason we chose those particular industries to be reopened, or was it more of a um, they were crying the most and asking for more help than anybody else? Now, um, you know, again, there was uh, a certain number, I forget what the exact number, but th there was a certain number of industries that we had closed and we mm -hmm. opened a portion of them. Some, you know, that our public health folks told us, I mean, obviously like Mercedes-Benz, you know, stadium, we're not going to reopen that, large kind of venues like that. Um, but there were certain industries that could be reopened without, you know, seriously threatening uh, public health. and. It could be reopened in ways that we could do it in a very smart, measured way, uh, where we could put kind of guardrails uh, around them. Uh, you know, I think restaurants are a good example, right? So those mm -hmm. end up on Monday. Uh, we've got at least kind of 20 to 25 prescriptive things that they've got to do before they can reopen. Um, and I'll give a shout out to the private sector. We're seeing a lot of them kind of make the decision now, do I reopen? And make those decisions, uh, or mm -hmm. and closed for a little while longer. And so, people are very, we've been very encouraged with with how responsible people have been thus far. Okay, so th that list of items. Um, let, let's let's say I run a pizza shop or something. What is the implication for my business if I don't follow that list of rules and I do reopen? Great question. So, um, there's certain licenses that you do have to obtain, uh, both state and locally, and so. I would imagine there'd be some impact there along with some fines and so but even beyond that frankly I, I think the consumer will feel unsafe going to your location if you're not abiding by the criteria we've laid out and i'll tell you a lot of the private sector has gone above and beyond even what we've you know the, the minimum kind of threshold standards we've laid out 
a lot of folks have said, we're going to go even beyond that because we want consumers to feel healthy and safe when they come to our location. Um, and so again, I think a lot of the private sector is going to dictate uh, that. Um, I know for me and my family, if we go to some restaurant and they're not abiding by the, the rules, we're probably going to be out of there pretty quick and, and they won't have our money, that's for sure. Okay, that makes sense. And then uh, we had a quick comment from a friend of mine, Jim Hughes. He said, hello, Daryl and Scott. He's checking out. He runs a marketing business here in the area. Um, so that decision isn't easy to make. I mean, to say, you know, we're going to reopen a state that's still going through some um, outbreaks here and there with us. Obviously, Tyson's had some issues. Um, different meat producing places have had issues. With that happening recently with the uh, executive order to keep open meat producing plants, has that kind of affected you guys' decision-making process with the reopen? Uh, well, so that, yeah, that happened at a federal level where right. Trump is trying to kind of keep the food chain uh, moving and available. I'll tell you from a, a local standpoint here, uh, and the governor mentioned this in his comments earlier this week, we're keeping our eyes on Gainesville. Gainesville. Uh, mm -hmm. We are the largest poultry uh, producer uh, in the world. And so uh, we've seen some uptick in cases out that way. And we sent our insurance commissioner, John King, uh, earlier this week up to that community just to share with them uh, some of the public health measures that they ought to be following and adhering to. Um, and that's what I, where I've really been impressed is we've been very tactical as far as responding to areas. I know Albany uh, is well known as, as having a super spreader event down there. And so yeah. uh, we've been very tactile as to where we go and, and how we respond. And so, uh, uh, yeah, very cognizant around, you know, important industries in our state's economy like poultry and mm -hmm. culture and so many others. Okay, so, so my hope is all of this, we're trying to get the economy back going. That's been the biggest battle with this is um, health versus economy. That's kind of been the, the two sides of this. Um, so we're doing this reopen now. What's kind of for Georgia citizens to get the full process? I know it's kind of a, a fluid thing, but are there stages to what's going to happen next far as we did you know, a few businesses now? Is there a certain criteria for this to continue going forward? Great question. So I, I'll offer two things to you. Um, a lot of folks have asked us, Scott, I've got a business. I think I'm allowed to reopen. What do I need to do? I would encourage mm -hmm. On, on this uh, live feed here, go check out the Georgia Economic Development website. Uh, they've got a great page on there, right? If you go to their main site, Georgia Economic Development, uh, they've got a little tab that you can click and it shows you exactly uh, what requirements you must follow to, to reopen your business. So uh, that'll help answer that question. Um, and then a lot of folks have asked us for resources for their business. So. Uh, everyone has heard about the PPP program, uh, resources through the SBA. Um, you know, we'd be happy to answer any questions in, in that end as well. But for phase two and kind of the next steps of fully reopening, uh, again, the governor has said this, it's all about testing. We've got to get uh, more testing out there. Uh, right now we have 65 test sites across the state. We can test to about 4,000 people per day. Uh, right now you can go down to Georgia Tech get a test done in one of their parking lots and have the results in these early as 30 minutes. Um, okay. Okay. But yeah, we've got to get people tested because I think that'll give us confidence as employees and as consumers uh, that it's a safe environment out there. Well, that's, that's good to know that because my, my wife's friend had somebody go to Georgia Tech and we didn't even know Georgia Tech was a testing site. So it's good you're sharing that with people because um, yeah. when you look at the media, they're saying you know 1% of Georgia has been tested. And I don't know how much 
reality is to that. But I mean, with you knowing the test sites, are we only at about one percent? You think? And I, I hate to put you put you in a spot for that, but um, if <laughs> you don't want to answer, that's fine. <laughs> no, no, that's a great question. I'll tell you this. So uh, the one at Georgia Tech is fascinating. Um, so we partnered with CVS. And they've got a little setup there. It's literally like a drive-through testing site. Uh, they dropped off thirty thousand uh, about a month ago tests. And we do about a thousand a day. And so we just re-upped, uh, we got another 30,000 out there. And so um, again, I know the governor, uh, there are big numbers of folks that we're testing, but he still wants to see it a lot, a lot more than that. So um, I, I don't know the percentage of Georgians offhand. We've got a big state, a little over 10 million people, um, but we're testing literally as fast as we can get it out the door. And the state's testing about 4,000 a day. That doesn't include what your doctor's office is doing, what other hospitals are doing. So the number is probably bigger than that of tests per day. Okay, so with everything kind of going on, I mean, small business got hit really hard with this overall, and that's basically your charge is helping you know businesses in Georgia. So what are some things you're hoping to see come out of this for Georgia businesses? Because I, I know we don't make a lot of stuff in the States right now, and that's definitely a charge you guys are going for. So what's something you want to see come out of this crisis that helps us better prepare for situations like this in the future? So one of the big things that the governor asked us uh, was to remove red tape and regulation that um, small business faces every day. And so one of the things you've seen from this crisis is, yeah, we've had to move a lot of red tape out of the way to allow us to get things done a lot quicker. And so uh, long term, I'd love to see us. And that's part of the work that we're working on for the governor is let's develop a program. where We reduce government regulation by 30 percent and let small business owners run their business and be profitable. Uh, and, and get government out of the way because a lot of our small business owners are what I like to call the OOO. They're the only operating officer. And so they don't have time to deal with having to go to the bank and deal with government red tape and regulation and, and get all the permits and licensing and all that stuff. So um, I think we'll see that come out of it. Um, one of the other things I would love to see come out of it is uh, the state develop a one-stop shop site for small business. Um, the biggest concern I hear right now is, Scott, all the resources that are out there are spread all over the place. Can we have one simple, easy to use, navigate site dedicated just for small business? Um, and I think a crisis like this highlights that, that fact that um, we, when a crisis hits, let's get everything at your fingertips so you don't have to go search and figure out different programs that are available to you. Yeah, that's definitely an issue, especially with the PPP information. It was all over the place for that. So people were kind of, my bank is giving me one thing. Um, the Georgia Department of Labor is giving me one thing. The Economic Development Center is giving me one thing. So I think that's an awesome idea to kind of consolidate everything. Um, so what are some actionable things we're seeing for small business? Because um, the commission, you've been doing this for, you know, not, a, not quite a year yet, but um, what are some strides you've seen happen with Georgia First that's really improved the economic situation for small businesses thus far? Yeah, so what we've done, so we've spent the last year really, and it's amazing because no other state's done this. And so uh, we've got a leg up on everyone else when it comes to small business recovery, because we've spent the last year looking at policies, operations, of other states and basically been taking their best practices of how they work for small business and bring them down here. So there's a number of recommendations that we're gonna provide to the governor uh, when our final report is due here in June. And like I said, the timing couldn't be any better because we're gonna be handing him solutions to help small business just at the time that small business absolutely needs it the most. So we've looked at issues from access to capital has been a real big one, you know, for mm -hmm. small 
how do we draw more capital to the state so entrepreneurs can uh, thrive and survive? We've looked at tax reform. You know, taxes right now um, favor the big guys. And so how do we change it in a way uh, to help the little guys? I know my wife runs a small business and man, we hate it when we get that tax bill every year. It's just crazy. <laughs> so, um, there's that, there's licensing. We've looked at state procurement. How can we make it easier for small businesses to procure business uh, from the state? You know, we spend close to $4 billion a year and, and small businesses aren't getting their, their share of those dollars. And so how do we make that easier? So uh, those are just a sample of, of some of the things we're looking at, along with making it easier, uh, like I said earlier, for you to start a business and run a business uh, by getting regulation uh, out of the way, just duplicative reg regulation that, that doesn't make sense. That makes sense. So, and with this, you know, you're seeing the impacts of small business, everything happening. How do you, you've been talking to small businesses, obviously, frequently because that's, you're, you're staying in that space. What's the general consensus you're getting from people about the decision to reopen right now? Because it's all across the board. Um, I'm kind of in the middle on some parts of it, but what's the general consensus you're hearing from the people you speak to in the community? It's really mixed. So some small businesses are rearing to go, ready to go. I know uh, I got my haircut on Friday and um, uh, my guy was ready to open and he did it the right way. and He had all the precautions in place and he was fully booked. And, and it was great that he could do that. A lot of them are uh, remaining more cautious and saying, I'm gonna give it a couple weeks to reopen. Uh, a lot of them are saying my employees are still kind of nervous. You know, I'm gonna, out of respect for them, stay closed. A lot of small businesses have to adapt, right? So not only do they have to hire and bring back folks, but they've got to change how their business operates. I know um, I work with our local YMCA here and just the internal setup of how we've got the machines and and everything they've got to do a complete rehaul of that so people feel safe and comfortable going in so mm -hmm. it's been mixed um i think mostly positive people are ready uh to get open and, and uh start making money again I'll, I'll tell you it's as a small business it's not easy essentially shutting down for for over a month and, and not having any revenue uh come in so um they're ready to go but they're ready to do it the right way okay and that's an interesting question i'm trying to talk to some people legally about this because there's there's this legal element of COVID-19 when you said business owners are kind of nervous, my employees aren't comfortable. Um, is there, can you give any insight on that as far as any legal implications? Because I'm seeing different cases of workers comp getting involved with COVID-19, but it's not fully laid out. So is Georgia doing anything about the legal side saying, hey, I'm working here. Um, I was exposed to COVID-19 because something wasn't done right. Is there any kind of talk of the legal implication for that for a business owner so they can know they're comfortable reopening? We have. We've gotten that question a, a lot, and it's it's a real concern. Uh, I saw there was some discussion at a federal level about legislation addressing that. Um, I'm not familiar yet with any kind of conversation uh, there. Um, I, I imagine that will come in the form of legislation. Our General Assembly right now is, is actually uh, suspended. They've been suspended since about mid-March, um, and we anticipate they'll return sometime uh, May to middle of June. And so uh, I would imagine that they'll probably take up that issue because, yeah, we want small business to feel, you know, comfortable reopening. Mm -hmm. uh, and because, you know, we live in a very litigious society. <laughs> right. uh, uh, I would not be surprised to see someone uh, attempt to, to do that type of uh, lawsuit for sure. 
Yeah, that's the thing I worry about the most. I mean, because like you mentioned, they're going through a month of no revenue. So they reopen. Somebody contracts COVID-19 and it goes south. I just yeah. worry about the if a lawsuit comes up, that's going to just totally wipe them out. Um, yeah. So it's good that's being worked on. So right now, though, there's no present clear cut. You know, if it happens on your watch, you're in trouble. There's no clear cut thing for that. It sounds like right now. No, I mean, it depends. Each what complicates it is each business has their own uh, insurance policy as well. And so mm. for some folks, your your insurance policy may cover that, um, you know, if it covers uh, viruses and, and whatnot, um, some of it may not be written in there. And so mm. you know, there's a lot of work to figure that component out. Um, but it's, it's a real issue that, that I think we'll have to address. Okay, and that's that's fair. As definitely as long as we're working on it. I know the recesses are happening, but it'll get worked on at some point. Um, so it's amazing, Daryl. I mean, it's just, you know, things change so fast in this environment. I mean, week to week, it's, it seems like a new challenge that, that's coming up. <laughs> we have been, I mean, the private sector has been awesome. I mean, we've worked with them hand in hand to figure out, okay, what are those regulations that we need to put in place uh, to allow people to feel comfortable opening back up? So, um, and some of our best ideas, frankly, come from folks who are out there grinding it every single day. And that's great because, I mean, when you look at private sector, one thing is, um, Georgia's become like the Hollywood of U.S. because of, you know, different tax laws and things like that, helping them run movie studios here. So um, that's that's positive that we're having that thing change. Do you see anything else production wise happening? Because I do see several private sector companies stepping up saying we're going to make ventilators, we're going to make face masks, we're going to make, um, you know, air purification systems. Do you see a lot of that happening now with local small businesses getting into making uh, made in USA stamps on their products now? Yeah, we do. In fact, uh, one idea we've tossed around internally is, is does the state issue some sort of logo that signifies you as, you know, um, uh, having, you know, done all the precautions to stay safe and, you know, you're certified safe or something like that. I know we have a, a serve safe program right now for our restaurants. You know, maybe we do something like that uh, from a COVID standpoint. I know, yeah, there's a big push right now to, hey, let's let's buy American, let's buy Georgian, let's mm -hmm. buy shop small um i think you're going to see a big push from a state level from a marketing standpoint of hey let's support uh those small business owners that have been hit hard from this um so yeah i, I would think you'll see something from us uh pretty soon on that front okay perfect and i'm going to check in with the audience real quick uh, jeffrey hill he's a small business owner out here Definitely. i asked how do you guys feel about the reopen he said no bueno so he's not in favor of the reopen um, Stacy DeMarco, she said, I'm I'm ready to start opening. So we got 50-50 right there, one no bueno, one ready to open. And um, is there any implication if a business falls in that category of, let's say it's a gym, are they mandated to reopen or they can still take their time if they want to? That's a great question. So, and that's the beauty of this, right, is that we've given the freedom to you to make that decision. You know, if you and your customers feel comfortable with reopening, uh, by all means, go for it. But we are absolutely not forcing any business to open. Any business who wants to remain closed can stay closed. Um, if you don't want to go out and shop, don't go out and shop. You know, you can mm -hmm. home. Um, I know my wife, she is keeping us at home. Uh, I am the only one that's allowed to go out and I go to the grocery store and I come right back. And so um, we're playing it safe on, on our end, uh, but that's just out of abundance of caution. Um, again, the, the order, allows folks to reopen under certain conditions uh folks by all means can can stay closed um and it's it's certainly drawn uh thoughts and ideas 
uh, and feedback from both sides, and, and we appreciate that. And we, we've listened to folks and, and what they've told us. But um, I, again, I, we just hear story after story of folks who are have worked their entire lives to build a business uh, just to see it uh, lost in a few weeks, and it's it's really heartbreaking. And so uh, we're hoping to get back to a more normal environment pretty soon. But one of the things we're really focused on is let's continue to look at the health data and make mm-hmm. sure trends are moving in the right way. Uh, so there's that, there's contact tracing that we're uh, getting a lot better on and then surge capacity, right? So uh, really working on making sure that if, if there is some sort of surge that we've got the number of beds and hospital capacity uh, if something should co- come up. But, but all that data and numbers so far look, look very good on that front. Some people were concerned about that, like what if a, a second wave comes and it's worse than the first wave? So um, is that something you guys are kind of talking about, like we're going to ramp up, you know, extra beds just in case, or is that kind of just the, we're not thinking that's going to happen at this point? Oh no, we are, we want to make sure, you know, um, kind of measure twice, cut once. We want to make okay. sure our plenty of plenty capacity out there way beyond all this. Uh, uh, and, and so, like I said, we continue to monitor the, day, the numbers on a really literally minute by minute basis. Uh, and, and if there are any changes or any things that look like they're going in the wrong direction, I know we're going to hop all over it. So, uh, yeah, right now, I, I think the big push is let's get more testing out there. Yeah. I think we've got a, a good number of beds out there and that, that availability. Um, but you can never be you can never be too cautious, and you want to be prepared for absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Then, so you mentioned something earlier about you know a lot of small businesses are you know losing their entire life um, in, a, in a moment's notice with this. So, why do you think you know small business is having that happen? Because large corporations obviously um, they're spread out pretty well. They might have funding from different places. So, why do you think so many small businesses are probably not going to make it? Quite frankly, I mean, we're probably going to lose a lot of businesses as a result of this. So why do you think most, or not most, but a lot of small businesses are having a tough time with the situation? I think it's the nature of small business, right? So if you're a small business owner, you're someone who has taken on that risk uh, for the hope of the return at the end of the day. And so, and it is a big risk to start a small business. Let's be honest about it. I mean, a lot of times you're putting your own money on the line to follow an idea and a dream. And, um, you know, small business owners just don't have that luxury of having you know, a month or two months worth of cash flow in the bank. They're living and grinding it out every single day. And so uh, I think larger companies and corporations can can be more immune to this. They're more uh, diversified and, and where the revenue comes from. I, obviously, they're feeling it and they're getting hit too. And a lot of folks have been uh, laid off because of it. Um, but small business owners, like I said, they just don't have as much cushion uh, and that's one of the things we're trying to solve for is when the governor cast us, Scott, make Georgia number one for small business, we did great across a lot of different categories. But where we fell down was on business survivability. A lot of companies here mm-hmm. in Georgia don't make it past that two, three year mark. And so we're trying to figure out internally, what can the state do uh, to make sure small businesses have that cushion to get beyond, you know, is it financial education? Is it access to capital? Um, what is it about the state and what maybe we could do or tweak uh, that would allow small businesses uh, to, to survive past that, that cliff there? I wonder if there is, it seems like, you know, small businesses, um, I think in this book called The E-Myth, The Entrepreneur Myth, and they, it breaks down, there's the entrepreneur, the technician, and the manager. 
and the entrepreneur is always the idea because I got the energy to make something. Uh, technician is the one doing it, but the manager is the business person that looks at the numbers and all that. So would you say that like part of the Georgians First Commission, is some of that going to be more education for the small business as far as uh, symposiums, seminars, things like that to teach them so they can better prepare for things like this? Yeah, so that's the big thing. One of the big, more interesting feedbacks we've gotten is we talked to a lot of business owners who say, Scott, I, you know, they're looking hindsight 2020 and saying, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I, I just, Scott, I wish I had known this and that and, and I had these resources. And so um, that's, that's what happens. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. As an entrepreneur gets a great idea for a great business, they get started, they're excited about it. And then they're like, wait, how do I do this or that? Or how do I balance a balance sheet? And what does an income statement look like? And so uh, what I've been amazed by is we have so many online courses available through our technical college system that I would love to see us kind of push those out and make those more readily available. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're grinding it out 24 seven, you could log on real quick and say, you know what, I need to learn about, you know, how do I get funding for my business or, you know, teach me about cash flow and things like that. And you could take an online course through the state of Georgia uh, in an hour or two and, and pick up that information. So uh, those are some of the ideas we're thinking about so that when you're the entrepreneur and you start that business, that you've got every tool and resource at your tool belt there uh, to be successful, because that's what we want at the end of the day. Okay, that makes sense. And there's there's been a misconception, or maybe not misconception, but that um, rural America was kind of immune to this. So we saw the images of, you know, downtown Atlanta with nobody driving around, looking at the stadium, the streets empty. Um, would you taking care of all of Georgia? How has this kind of panned out in the rural parts of the state? Because I feel like that's not talked about a whole lot, but how has it panned out in the rural areas? Yeah, so a couple big things there, right? So we're still fighting with like rural, it's amazing in 2020, like rural internet connectivity. Uh, so when you say, okay, send all your kids home and they've got to learn online, uh, well, that sounds all great in Metro Atlanta, but if you're somewhere in the middle of the state and don't have an internet connection to your house or to your business, uh, that's a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. And talking from a business perspective, you've got to have internet these days to, to be online and be operating your business. So. That's been a big challenge to business development in some of our rural areas. Uh, that, as long as uh, as long as access to healthcare as well, um, you know, we're blessed here in the, the Metro Atlanta community uh, with great hospital systems. But as you move out outside of 285, uh, that's a challenge, and so uh, it's a challenge during a pandemic. Uh, but it's a challenge during normal times when you're trying to recruit a company uh, to an area that has maybe struggling schools, a struggling hospital, and lack of internet connectivity. Um, that's that's not an easy sell to come uh, sell a, a, a startup or entrepreneur to, to start their business in that area. So is, do you, are you seeing more um, entrepreneurship starting then in the, the city because of that reason? Because I, I don't always imagine there's more people you probably see it more, but are there any, any stats about that? Like we're seeing more businesses open in the metro or more successful businesses in the metro because of those things? That's a great question. I feel like I have seen that stat somewhere. I'll, I'll just anecdotally, we hear it all the time. Just the urbanization of America. Uh, a lot of today's kids graduate school and, uh, you know, you used to go home and work your parents' business or whatnot. Um, a lot of them are staying in the large metro areas and, you know, they want jobs where they can walk to work, walk to a park, you know, kind of live, work, play, that whole thing. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're definitely seeing the talent, the new talent and entrepreneurs being sucked up into the urban areas. Uh, and, and, you know, it's fascinating. We have the census going on right now. If you haven't mm -hmm. the census, make sure to do it. 
Um, and it'll be fascinating to see the numbers and the trends uh, toward urbanization uh, like we've talked about. Okay, perfect. So one thing to kind of think about with this, you know, soft reopen, which we wasn't really fully closed, but we had a soft reopen. Um, let's fast forward from now. Now we don't know, we don't know, but let's say a, a second wave happens. Does the lockdown become tighter at that point if we have a second wave or does it kind of go back to the way it was before? You know, that's a good question. It's hard to kind of look into the crystal ball and, and know what's going to come. I'll tell you, even as we do reopen up, there's going to be certain populations that we're going to want to remain closed, right? So for those that are up and above 60, 65, those that are at risk, uh, I think the state will continue to recommend that they shelter in place because um, those are certainly at the, the highest risk populations. Um, Again, hard to tell what, what a, a lockdown in the future would look like. I, I think we did a pretty good job of locking down this go round and it's reflective in the numbers. You can see where we plateaued and now it's starting to go downward. So uh, this lockdown seemed to have worked uh, pretty well this time. And um, hopefully this is now and uh, getting getting further behind this. Perfect, okay. And I don't wanna dwell on that so much because obviously it's a timely topic because it just happened. Um, yep. But want to circle back one more time on Georgia first. So um, people are starting small businesses. They want to get into entrepreneurship. What are some new resources that Georgia first can provide them to help them to thrive or at least get started in this new environment? Yeah. So uh, one of the things we're working on is I've, I mentioned a little bit kind of this idea of a one stop shop site. So one of the things we looked at was if you wanted to start a small business today, what are all the licenses, numbers, things that you would have to get? And they're spread all over government. And so we want to take the process of starting a new business down from weeks to minutes and you know days and minutes. And so shorten that process, put everything at your fingertips. Um, we also want to make it easier. Like I said, one of the things we can control is where the state spends its money. And so one of the things we've been working on is getting um, conferences out there. Where we sit right alongside you and show you, you know, how do I get logged in? How do I you know figure out how to bid on, on business? We had a great story um, across the state where we recently awarded one of our, our paper contracts to a consortium of small businesses. A great example of kind of the real world effort of, of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll see that. You'll see some legislative uh, things come, come through uh, and then also some things around access to capital and, and maybe hiring some folks within the state who are essentially cheerleaders to bring capital from New York, California, and other places here uh, into Georgia. Awesome, I love that. And that made me just think about something. I, I saw recently a, um, a government contract given to a local cleaning company for helping clean up COVID. So uh, would you say there's a lot of that still out there that small businesses are missing a lot of government contracts for help with this pandemic? Yeah, again, I mean, if you're a small business, you're a one or two person shop, you don't have time to figure out how to navigate all the things. And then we don't make it easy on you either. And then we issue contracts, these big, large contracts that go all over the state, but we figured out a way to maybe regionalize them more uh, to give small business a better opportunity to compete. And we believe from a taxpayer standpoint, the more businesses we have competing uh, for a state dollar, the better service and the, and the lower cost we're gonna get. And so, um, yeah, we wanna bring, bring in as many small businesses as we can uh, to compete and hopefully win uh, some state business here. Yeah, cause there should be probably a ton out there. I mean, with all the number of places closing down, cleaning companies obviously have to take care of that. And I know it's a certain level of cleaning company, but um, yeah. I, just, I just hope that in the middle of this crisis, they can find a way to find revenue they might not have looked for before. 
because um, you hear about government contracts all the time, but when you run a you know a restaurant or something, you might not pay attention to it. But now you might make your business a catering business to government employees or social workers or something. So um, with everything going on, obviously your, your timelines change with a lot of stuff you're working on. But um, give some something for the people to look forward to from Jordan's first that they can find online or a new adventure working on or something that would yeah. kind of participate. Because I do like the narrative of pushing Georgia business. So let them know like what's coming up next for them to pay attention to for you. Yeah, definitely. So, um, but I would tell you first and foremost, if you haven't done so already, for those listening, please go visit our website, georgiansfirst.georgia.gov. Again, georgiansfirst.georgia.gov. If you Google it, we'll come up uh, first there. And so uh, we've got a tab on there. Tell us your story. We've literally had hundreds of small businesses reach out and tell us either about regulation that's getting in their way or, or ideas about how we can help them. Uh, please check out uh, the website here. We also are recruiting folks who want to get involved to say, you know, I've got a great idea. I've got something I want to work on for you. Uh, again, literally hundreds of small businesses across the state uh, have reached out to us and we've gotten volunteers uh, to work on this project with us. So if you've got a passion about something, you have a passion for small business, I absolutely want to hear, hear from you and, and work with you. Um, again, because our best ideas uh, come from small business. You can look out for our final report, which is going to be issued here uh, sometime in June, uh, which I outline our recommendations to the governor, essentially a roadmap as to how do we become the, the number one state for small business. And the work doesn't stop after that uh, report goes out. Uh, we need help kind of putting those recommendations into place. And that's where you guys come in as well. Hey, Daryl, I don't know if I can hear you. It sounds like you might be on mute here. Hold oh, on. There we go. That's my, that's my bad. One man show. So I apologize for the error there on the website. I put the GA instead of GIA. So it's You're right all good. now, jordansfirst.georgia.gov. Check it out. And Scott, thank you for doing this. I know it's kind of a crazy time for you. Um, I'm at the same way. I'm the only one leaving the house most of the time, too. So I know it's kind of a different time. But I appreciate the work you're doing. And are there any um, upcoming like online events you guys have coming or teachings that you have coming for people? That's a great question. I would just encourage folks, if they haven't done so already, um, our the, what's called SBDC uh, program through UGA, uh, they have a great, so SBD, Small Business Development Centers, they've got folks on the ground uh, who can help small businesses with resources. So, uh, if you don't know who your SBDC rep is, uh, check out uh, UGA, SBDC. Um, they've got some great people who are yeah, giving webinars and, and information on all sorts of programs that are out there. So uh, check them out. Uh, it's, a, it's a free service offered through the state and, and a fantastic opportunity. Your tax dollars paid for it, so you might as well take advantage of it. And, Amen. Um, Amen. <laughs> right now, if, in my opinion, if you don't come out of this pandemic with either a new skill set or um, you've expanded your business in some kind of way, you wasted this time because obviously we don't have traffic as much now because we're not in the cars as often. So you should learn something. And SBDC is a great place to find those resources. Uh, there's one at Kennesaw State by a while as well. So there's, they're all over the place to learn from them. Um, so Scott, any parting words you can leave with people, how to find you, anywhere to look for you online, just share your information, this is your time. Yeah, so um, I'm on all the social media stuff. So you can find me at Scott Hilton GA. Uh, that's at Scott Hilton, GA, um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera. would love to connect with you. Um, again, I love hearing directly from small business. I'll, I'll 
put a plug in for the governor. It's not easy right now. I'd, I'd ask for your, your prayers for wisdom and, and strength. I know he's literally working 24 seven, him and his team. Um, and, uh, you know, really working through a time where it's not easy making some of these decisions. And so, uh, I, I would ask, uh, for that support there. And, uh, I know he's working hard to do what's best for, uh, not only our business community, but our families to, to keep everyone safe. And so, uh, I know he's working hard for, for you and, uh, he just loves uh, the feedback that we get along the way. So, uh, Daryl, I, I really appreciate you setting this up. Yeah, no problem. No, no, no matter your political affiliation, you, the leadership, you always want just to survive and do a good job. So no matter how you felt about the last election, it's just make sure the job is done right. So I appreciate you being in the middle on that, Scott, because I know it's a hard job, especially now. <laughs> well, well, folks, thanks for joining us for Business of Benefits. This will be on replay and we'll make the podcast a bit later with Scott. I appreciate your time. And um, everybody be safe out there, whether you're going to go to the gym, bowling, tattoo, whatever, open business. If you go, still be safe. Don't think you throw caution to the wind right now and still be safe when you're out there. But um, it's been fun, Scott. We'll let the people get out of here and we'll catch you next time. Awesome. Sounds good. Way of Life Group is an insurance firm dedicated to helping small businesses get the resources they need to grow, which includes employee benefits for any budget. Please check us out on LinkedIn for more information.